Yo, yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. So beautiful people, today I am joined by my boy Mishak Rojas. Uh, he's more than just my boy, he's a, a, he's a guest of mine for, for many reasons and I hope you all appreciate that. But Shaq, what's going on, man? What's new with you? What's up, man? You know, just uh, trying to stay warm, even though it's winter and it's like 60 degrees out. It's actually brick today. Like I, I stepped yeah. out earlier, it's like 20 something degrees. This is Fahrenheit for all the Europeans listening. Uh, so for you, it would be in the negatives uh, if you can appreciate how cold it is. Uh, but just to start off, I don't know if you're a believer in New Year's resolutions or anything like that, but do you have any? Uh, I'm actually not big on New Year's resolutions. I feel like it's always kind of an excuse. I feel like it's better to just be like, this is what I want to achieve. Break it down. I'm just going to start doing those today, you know. Yeah, and I think Do you have for any? Me, what's up? Do you have any? No, I think I'm I'm more like you. If someone asks me what my resolutions are, I'm like, I'm just gonna continue to get after it and be awesome. I mean, can <laughs> I do things better for sure? But I think at this point in my life, because I'm so old, clearly, I'm very good at channeling my resources and knowing what I need at a specific time. Like I just started taking gymnastics classes um, to for tumblings to hopefully incorporate some of that into my capoeira training and um, I think you just have to be comfortable being uncomfortable I think a lot of people struggle trying things like I was um, talking to someone the other day like oh I'd like to go to this place but I don't have anyone to go with me and I just you know I showed up to gymnastics I showed up to capoeira the first time by myself and do I look weird absolutely but if you just stop giving a fuck then you actually start making positive changes. Yeah, I actually went through the same thing. I took gymnastics like years ago and I was like, I don't know anyone to go with. I'm just going to go. I want to learn a backflip. And like that first day was a little scary, but then it was like, oh, this is like fun. No one's really judging you here. You're meeting new people. And like that, I felt like put me on a path that if I never just went and tried it, I would, I don't know what I would be doing right now. I probably wouldn't be doing half the stuff I'm doing. Now, I think that's a, a good lead into our, our first talking point here, which is, so what path are you on? So you started gymnastics. I'm sure you have many other previous interests, but gymnastics had led you to doing what's called tricking. Uh, and if anyone's listening out there, uh, if you don't mind explaining kind of what that is and how that start in gymnastics has led you to where you are today. Um, yeah, so it wasn't so much gymnastics. It was more, uh, well, I guess I'll preface it. I've done Taekwondo since I was eight. I've oh, nice. into, like Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, just anything like Street Fighter, all of these martial art movies. 
So seeing these guys also flip around was always interesting to me. I just didn't know where to go. And I felt like I always made the excuse, even in college, like, oh man, I wish I had that facility or I wish I knew people that did that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stop complaining about it and just go take gymnastics. Cause at least I'll learn a flip. I can start implementing that. So that kind of started it. I just wanted to learn how to trick. For those who don't know what tricking is, it's like martial arts and acrobatics, kind of like breakdancing. You mix combinations of moves, similar to capoeira, if you see any of Jordan's stuff. And yeah, that really just started it. I just wanted to do something cool. I was like, I'm just gonna go do it. And then through that, I met the community, met other trickers, some parkour people, and then uh, an actual tricking gym opened up and I just started going there and I still go there all the time now, or I just meet up with friends, we go to the park. So it was a pretty like, it was a pretty like pivotal point in my life. Cause I feel like right before that, I was only looking forward to going out with friends. You know, I was like 26, 25 and it's like, oh, where are we going this weekend? Let's go to this bar, let's go here. And when I started tricking, it was like, I don't want to go to the bar because then I'm going to be tired tomorrow and my body's going to be tight. I'm going to wake up late. It was like, this really got me started on this like path of more health and wellness. Cause it was like, I want to be able to trick more because this is so much fun for me. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. I, I feel you on that. I'm definitely at the stage in my life where I need to be asleep relatively early because otherwise I'll, if I try to go to the gym or train up wet, I just feel like I can't release my kicks that well. Forget trying to do acrobatics. You just feel like this restriction. I mean, I've been feeling that way right now after taking some tumbling classes where I'm like the next day after doing millions of like front handsprings and back tuck prep, I'm just like, Whoa, my joints are a little bit shook, but that's that just comes with. Where the did camp. you take classes at? Uh, I'm doing it at Chelsea Piers. Okay, that's where I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes forever to to walk there from uh, the train, but people outside of New York wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah, it's a nice facility. It's really big. That whole area is nice. It's yeah, yeah. Keep it up. You'll enjoy it. It's a little bit more expensive, but yeah, it's a good place to go. All right, follow-up questions. Which Street Fighter character is your favorite? Oh, man. I got to say, since I was little, I've always been into Vega, the guy with the claw. Yeah. Like, I don't even really know why. I think growing up, I just never liked the characters that looked too human. Mm. Whether it was just because all the characters were white or I didn't look like them or I was born to ninjas. I don't know. But yeah, Vega. Right. Don't say Ryan. Ryu. It's too generic. You better not say Ryu. I'm not gonna say Ryu. It's funny. Someone said I'm like the Ryu to their Ken in Capoeira. Like <laughs> we're like kind of similar style fighters. Um, yeah. I usually, if I'm thinking about, I have to say my favorite character player is actually Chun Li. She was fun. I like yeah. playing with Chun Li. Throwing the kicks. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a good beginner character to play with because if you knew at least that move, like you can do some damage. It's kind of like E Honda's like thousand hand chop, the hand slap. Yeah, yeah. 
But now that I do capoeira, sometimes like I give Blanca some love because he's Brazilian. I don't know how a Brazilian yeah. monster is Brazilian, but um, you got to play. I think Street Fighter Three. There was a capoeira character. Yeah, but that time I was already into Tekken, and then yeah, Eddie, and then much. once you meet Eddie, yeah, he's like the capoeira character. I have to say, since I started doing capoeira, it's been interesting. It's kind of like it's kind of annoying in ways when you meet new people and they realize that you do it. It's kind of like dance. Like I want to see you do some capoeira, but it's like it's like asking me to teach someone to salsa dance when reggaeton is playing. It's like it just doesn't happen. Like you can't do it. Like I can't just do capoeira out of nowhere. It's like it's not honoring like its roots, and a lot of people just miss that capoeira is a slave sport that was created. You know to music to disguise fight as a, a dance and yeah. recently i'm just like yeah i can do all these acrobats but it's not capoeira yeah you're just like showing off yeah which like, do a backflip which is a joke for a lot of trickers because they'll be out here doing all these crazy flips and spins yeah and then someone's like can you do a backflip and it's like really bro like i just did something a hundred times more difficult than a backflip yeah <laughs> All right, so you're really into tricking, which I've trained with you before. I definitely got to get up again because now I feel like I can do more shit in the gym after taking these classes. So definitely into that. But uh, I think I've come in a little bit recently because you've experienced a setback in your training. You hurt your back about a week ago. And tell me yeah. how things are going with that in terms of like how you're feeling, uh, what aren't you still able to do, and kind of how you're, you're, you're dealing with it. Um. Yeah. I I actually think it's residual. About two months ago, I was squatting kind of heavy, didn't really warm up. And I felt that tightness happen. And then about a week later, I was good to go. So then last week, I was tricking. And I did a move where I was in the air and starting to rotate. And I stopped myself. And I just felt my back like tighten up. Mm. So I took a break. I was like, let me move a little bit, stretch, hang from a bar. And then I tried to do something else and it was like, oh no, this is like not, not gonna be fun. And then later that night, I was trying different movements. The back literally just, I stood up, my back just like locked. Mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't move. And I was like, I've never experienced this before. I don't know what to do. Do I stand up? Do I lay down? Then you gave me some exercises. I was still too tender to do them, but now I'm able to kind of do them like the cat, cat, cow, uh, pretty much hinging forward and like bending or rounding is what causes the lower back pain uh, or just discomfort. I don't want to say pain. So I can walk around and like arch my back, but definitely no tricking. I haven't tried getting on a bike. But I was able to like go to the park two days ago and like do pull-ups. I just did a lap around the track. I was like, okay, I can at least still move. Cause I'm sure you feel the same. Like as a mover, if you go a certain amount of time without some kind of dynamic activity, you just get like antsy. So I'm starting to hit that point. Yeah, I feel you. But I think there's a valuable message in there that you kept you keep finding ways to move despite the fact that your back is telling you that certain types of movement aren't 
are still intolerable because you're too sensitive to them, but you're running, you're doing some pull-ups and, and other exercises. So actually your body is adapting to stress because you're still inducing some level of load to your spine and our bodies respond very well to mild amounts of stress when it's, when it's hurt. And it's all about finding those, those uh, opportunities and you're doing a good job with it. Uh, but I hope for people listening, you know, bed rest is a thing of the past for back pain. It doesn't work and actually it hinders progress quite a bit. So the, I think the takeaway should be just get up and even if it's just like walking for like a minute and then sitting back down, at least you're giving your, your body some sort of information to make adaptations. And if you're thinking from a local blood flow perspective, it's certainly going to help rid the inflammatory process in the area and allow for, for healing to manifest if uh, people wish to understand the inner workings of, uh, of movement. Yeah, you got to get the blood flowing and you got to remind your body how to move in those positions. So you slowly, safely, you know, go back up to them. Because if not, ask- you're just teaching your body how to lay down and not move. And then you hurt yourself again. Word. I feel that. What were you going to ask? I was going to ask if, uh, is squatting something that you do regularly in your program? So I actually, I feel like every time in my life I've started squatting, I always hit a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start putting on more weight, trying to go heavier. And I think I always go a little further than I should quicker because I almost always get some kind of injury around the same time I start squatting. It's like the squatting affects my martial arts or tricking, but I think it's just I'm not doing it correctly. I feel stronger when I'm there, but then something almost always happens, whether it's my knee or my ankle or my hamstring. It's like I have to learn how to balance the two better. Yeah, I feel that. I I mean, I experience injuries myself lifting. I lift mainly to build resilience also because I'll never forget a sweep that I received by my uh, – I'm not going to say who because it's uh, a little bit personal – but I got swept and I went flying. So just for the fact that I can land hard on the floor and not be set back too much is like a win for me for having like yeah. a decent amount of muscle mass and resilience to stress. And I think that's why we lift is to build overall like tolerance to you know lifting heavy loads for long periods of time. I always think about when you go on vacation, if you can't lift a carry-on bag above your head without assistance, like that's a that's a red flag and a cause for concern. It's because overhead activities seem to be things people shy away from. Like if you put a weight in your hand, even if it's like 15 pounds and tell them to lift overhead, a good amount of people can't do it. And I really think it's an invaluable skill to have to be able to manipulate load in various positions because life doesn't work in just like up down left right there's a lot especially in the tricking community so there's so many planes of movement involved and to have the ability to maneuver in different planes is key to survival and you know it decreases the risk of injury considerably yeah for sure and like you said it's mobility like it might not even be that you can't lift it because of strength it might just be you lack some kind of shoulder back mobility that's not allowing you to and i think that's why i continue to hurt myself because my ankle mobility sucks Mm. so i compensate whenever i do start squatting 
and then it causes me to put pressure in other areas. So I'm trying to get back into it for the mobility. I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care to go heavy anymore. I'm just gonna put 45s on each side, full depth, lift my ankles a little bit so I can slowly start building that mobility back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then someone like me would give you accessory mobility work to do on the side. So hopefully you're reinforcing the squat pattern by doing it with the, well, we, call, we call that a decline squat when you put your heels on something. But if you start to gain the range of motion and eventually you could take the plates away, I mean the, the, the heel lift away and then just do it the same weight on solid ground. At least that would be how I would progress. And it seems yeah. like you're like kind of close to there. It might just be one or two things you have to do for a few weeks and you'll be good. Yeah, for sure. So I'll look into that after our call, but something else that's pretty interesting. Uh, so fun, fun fact about how I met Shaq. Uh, we actually have, I don't, it's not a mutual friend cause it's family to you, but uh, I met Shaq at a wedding in Puerto Rico for someone who has been my friend through someone who's been my friend for now 11 years, which is crazy that I'm just meeting Shaq now, although clearly apparently I met him many years ago and didn't make the connection, but um, where was I going with this? Yeah, that's how we met. And I started to realize that he, you know, I'm like, damn, this guy's like got some things going on for him. Like aside from tricking, which is obviously intriguing for me as a capoeirista, if you don't know about Shaq, you're going to get to know him after this because he has an amazing TikTok about food and building recipes. And I want to say it's about paleo cooking. Is it paleo cooking? Not really. Paleo kind of has its own rules. But if you were to compare it to any other like diet, diet. or fad diet yeah. out there, that's the closest. But it's essentially... um avoiding dairy, avoiding added sugar, all these processed foods, all these processed oils, just trying to help people learn better ways to eat. Because like a lot of my family's Puerto Rican and Puerto Rican food is not very good for you. Normally, it's like a lot of fried stuff process and then everyone gets diabetes, heart disease, all these health issues, cancers. And over learning how to optimize my tricking performance, I also started to learn about the connection of food, health, nutrition, deficiencies, the cause of a lot of different diseases and illnesses. So it's kind of my way of trying to share with people, hey, you don't have to do that. You can try this instead. Because a lot of people want to eat healthier. They just don't know where to start. And where did your experience like where did you learn the things that you've learned from just by trial and error did you read books how'd you get here a little bit of everything um well first i'll just shout it out it's about this much um i started so i've always cooked my mom had me and my sister cooking when we were little so i always enjoyed cooking <clears throat> and just coming up with recipes or trying something i had at a restaurant so I, oh, the learning. It started with a lot of Googling. And then through the amount of Googling I was doing, I quickly learned you can't trust everything you read on the internet. And uh, you will find supporting data that literally conflicts 
the supporting data you had previously. And it's like, things will just contradict each other. You can literally find a study to support almost anything. Um, so yeah, a lot of Googling turned into some YouTubing and then occasionally hopping on PubMed and being like, okay, let me see what studies are actually out there about this. Cause there's infinite amount of blogs talking about topics like do this, don't do that. But it's like half of it is just BS. It's not true. So yeah, trial and error. I had tried paleo for like two months. This was back, I don't know, 2014, 2015. Uh, tried paleo. I actually really enjoyed it. I just never got fully back on it, but I implemented little things from there. And just over the years have been learning. I tried keto for a little bit. I never tried vegan or like a full plant-based. Uh, I've done like elimination diets. I kind of want to try a day fast. But yeah, it's like you have to try stuff and see what works for your body. Because some people do operate better with less meat. Some people operate better with meat. Some people can handle carbs better. Like I can eat all the carbs I want. And I feel fine normally, you know? So it's like, okay, how can I optimize my feet, my body, my feeling, mind. So let me try things and see what those little subtle changes are. So it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah, I think nutrition is a, a journey. And I think a lot of people miss that when because they want immediate changes and they're anxious to to feel better, to drop usually it's to drop weight. Uh, but like you said, I think it's an individualized experience, like certain foods, the way they interact with us. Some of us have allergies to foods that others don't. And My mom can't have onions. Your mom can't have onions? Yeah. And yeah. she didn't realize that for the longest time until one day she drew the connection and she bloats now if she has like one little piece of an onion. But she yeah. can have stuff that's been cooked with onions. So it's something about the onion itself. Mm. And then the more I looked into it, that's an actual thing it means other stuff, but it's like, who would have thought onions, you know? Yeah. Although I do know some people that even though they know they're allergic to something, they're like, well, I'm just going to deal with the, the, the shock afterward. And just because yeah. this food is so good, but I think that's a one-off experience. I'm definitely not advising people to do that. Um, but, but to your point, I think there is a lot of trial and error. Uh, I, even in my, my profession as a physical therapist, there are certain things that work for some and don't work for others. And it's all about helping people find the, the path that works best for them and how to stay compliant with it. Because all these things are fun. It's like someone could watch you trick and be like, oh my God, I want to try that. Or they see you make like, what did you make the other day? Like you made like hemp milk, you made, um, kind of like pancakes, pancakes, free kind of pancakes. Yeah, I think that's what you're bomb. To. But those look absolutely bomb. But like, someone like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna like get all those ingredients. And you might try it one time, but to be like, I mean, you might not even like the way that specific thing tastes, but to make food like that and stick with it is very challenging. Yeah, it takes, like I said, I, I enjoy, I don't have a problem cooking. Um, I try to use it almost meditative because it's like, I feel like I'm always rushing or always doing something. So I try to tell myself, okay, let me go to the kitchen and take this 15 minutes, whatever, to just be in this moment. So I try to life hack it like that. 
or you could also just like turn his camera off and just listen to his voice and it's almost meditative in itself just listen <laughs> talk about food and then slow-mo the processes of like slow-mo pour i'm not even kidding like this you need to check out about this much it is really fun to watch and even if you don't want to cook the food at least like appreciating the process of how you know you can make food that you wouldn't necessarily think is tasty looks so incredible and it probably is i mean it looks incredible the way you it comes out thank you that's yeah that's the goal of it all like i'm trying to make everything accessible because there's always these food pages and the recipes they put together it's like you're never going to actually make that yeah like when do you even have those ingredients so everything i try to have be very simple and it's like literally if you have this vegetable here's what you can do with it with what you probably already have in the house or like, yeah, make yourself some almond milk instead of spending $7 at the store for it. You make it for like, what, like not even a dollar. So yeah, like it all goes back to trying to just provide some kind of value to people, stuff you can actually do and then put the content out in like a fun way that's interesting. Cause that also interests me. And I feel like that's kind of, why I continue doing it. I've been doing it for, I don't even know, what year did I start? I think maybe 2017 or 18. And like, I enjoyed it. I built a little community around it. Sometimes I do a video and I get a creative idea randomly and it's like, oh, this will be fun. Or this will be a fun little line to throw in there. So like, I enjoy it. So I continue to do it. If I didn't enjoy it, I probably would have gave up a while ago. Yeah. And you definitely you've definitely seen an improvement in your performance after changing your your eating habits so much. So originally I started doing gymnastics and I would go work out. I, I also started tricking a little bit at the time and I was like, OK, some days I feel really good. Some days I feel kind of sluggish and slow mm. or sore. So I was like, I wonder why that is. Let me Google that. And then I was like, okay, let me stop having added sugars and cut out like fried food. So I stopped doing that. I already didn't drink a lot of soda or eat like candy, but I do like like chocolate, ice cream, brownies. So I definitely eat sweets. Um, but I normally will have like tea. I don't really do soda or any juices. And that alone just increased my performance period. Like there would be times where we would drive to Long Island and train from like 8 p.m. till midnight. And I would still want to keep training. It was just, oh, it's late. We should probably come home now, you know? Mm. And then after that was when I learned about paleo. That's when I really started Googling all the nutrition stuff, your electrolytes, understanding more of your macros, um, and just the connection of it all. And since then, and even now I'm still learning like through trying keto, I thought not having carbs in me was gonna uh, affect my ability to train. And that's not true. Like I only did keto for two weeks, but I was in ketosis. And what I learned was how important electrolytes are. Like most of the time when you're tired, yes, you probably didn't sleep good, but it's most likely your electrolytes are low. 
your sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus. But the most important one, sodium, potassium. Like everyone's always afraid of salt, but you'll be surprised how many times you could be training and dead tired. And you can just put a little salt in your palm and just lick it and drink some water and you're almost like re-energized completely. So you get those from a lot of the vegetables like leafy greens, mushrooms, celeries, uh, like salmon, avocado. So the more I added those to my diet, the longer I could train, uh, I don't normally get injured, even though I'm injured right now, but like, I feel like my body runs smoothly. Like I'm 35. I train with like 20 year olds who I've been training with them before they were 20. And when they hit like 21, 22, they're like, oh man, like I woke up and I'm just so stiff or, oh, I'm too tired to train right now. I'm just like, yo, I'm like over a decade older than you. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really just like, they're not fueling themselves. They're eating like Chinese takeout, getting like Subway sandwiches, McDonald's, all this other stuff that it just doesn't, like it tastes good. It's just very salty and fatty, but you, you're not aware how like, I don't want to say sick because you're not sick, but you don't, our bodies adapt. So when you're always running here, you forget that you could have been running it here. Right. And it feels fine. But once you get to here, and then if you go back down to here, you're like, oh no, I can't go back there. Yeah. And that's what causes you to really start making, I think, a lot of changes in your diet. Even like, okay, am I going to eat? Like I used to love Cinnabon. You remember Cinnabon? Like in all the Jersey malls and everything. Like it was so good, but it's like so bad for you. And that's something that like, I'm pretty sure right now, if I were to eat one or even half, I would just instantly get like a headache, stomach ache. And yes, that's because my body's not used to it, but also just like the blood sugar spike. I never realized that that would make me tired. So like, Doing all of these things just affect your day in ways that you're so unaware of until you start feeling what it's like to not constantly be on caffeine, grabbing a cookie or sugar at 2 or 3 p.m. because you just happen to be a little tired, but you think you're hungry, but it's really you just want that blood sugar spike. Mm. So like when you can keep those sugar levels, even when you can start your day with like enough fiber already a lot of nutrients you're less likely to crave these things and you're just gonna feel better 100 yeah i could go on forever talking about all of it because there's so much and we're still learning so much like things i believed yesterday maybe i'll find tomorrow a study that says hey that actually might not be too great for you yeah and in this process of you coming to these uh conclusions i know you said you used to love chocolate flavored things and whatnot do you necessarily deprive yourself of those things or do you have you found alternative ways to satisfy those cravings um so a few answers to that one i still eat chocolate i just get um like baker's chocolate Mm. because it's unsweetened um and I'll add that to things and then sweeten it with fruits 
or occasionally if I'm really like craving it, I'll put some honey on whatever it is I'm eating, like maybe some kind of oatmeal bowl with like nuts and seeds, fruits, and then the unsweetened chocolate. That way you're at least getting the fiber to slow down that blood sugar spike, but also the chocolate isn't sweet. Um, do I restrain myself? I think I do most of the time, but every now and then, like, especially if I'm traveling, like I went to Paris a few years ago for a friend's wedding and it was like, okay, I'm gonna have a croissant every day. I'm gonna try their like fondue. Cause it's like, this is their thing. I also want to experience it. Sure. Croissants were amazing. The fondue in the moment, like as I'm eating it, it's like, I don't want to stop eating this. It just tastes so good. But very soon after, I just felt like locked up. My sinuses felt a little stuffed, but I wasn't sick. But I felt like I had to really just blow something out, but nothing would come out. So that maybe that was some kind of inflammation. Maybe it was something else. I don't really know. But those are the things that always happen when it's like, because people are always like, oh, just one time, it won't kill you. Just eat some cheese. And it's like, but I don't want to feel awesome. really shitty yeah. 10 minutes after. Like, it's not worth it. Like, work has a pizza party. Almost everyone after the pizza party is like, oh, man, like, I feel so bad after eating that. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. Like that's, that's what it does. Keeps you tired. If it keeps you sluggish. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, and as, as also a Puerto Rican, well, I'm half Puerto Rican, but I remember we went to get um, cuchifritos in, in San Juan, <laughs> which I don't usually eat. And I just had like such bad like acid reflux uh -huh. that night. I'm just like, oh, because like when you eat it, it's like, like you feel like you're home because it's like you're connecting to your roots by eating that. But at the same time, I was like, oh man, that I feel the grease and your muscles start like because of the salt concentration change, you just feel like swollen. And luckily, I think I was done dancing by that point. So I didn't really have to because I left it all on the dance floor the night before. I have visual yeah. proof of that as well, if anyone's curious. Um, but but yeah, they, these uh, sudden changes and in indulgences really do, they make short-term negative changes, but you have to also determine whether or not that's uh, worth going, enduring for, yeah. But I will also say, cause I don't want it to sound like I'm saying, you have to give up all these other things. You will find alternatives that meet that like itch you have. So there are plenty, like if you see on my page, I eat sweets, I make like good looking stuff. I just find like gluten-free options, dairy-free options. Instead of sugar, I use dates, which if it, like I'll make a matcha latte and blend a date in there, it tastes like I just added sugar. Like the date doesn't add another flavor to it. So I find alternatives like that. Mm. I'll use like cashew cream, um, instead of like creamy stuff or like ice creams and that also with some dates and vanilla it just tastes like you're eating like pudding or ice cream so there are alternatives that taste just as good it's just you have to put in a little more work to find them um yeah 
So you don't have to fully give them up. It's just the, the relationships of different things. So like the cuchifritos are the little fried pastries and everything. The real problem is what kind of oil is it fried in? What kind of flour is the pastry dough made with? And then where's the meat even coming from? So all of those are different things you have to look at. Like some oils are more inflammatory than others. So if you fried it in avocado oil, maybe it wouldn't bother you as much. If you used a less processed flour instead of typical white flour, maybe it wouldn't bother you as much. Mm. If you used a better quality like meat, like a, a pasture raised or grass fed, all of that, maybe it wouldn't bother you as much. So these are all questions I'm always trying to understand better, but it's just not that talked about it unless you're in the community because everyone just looks at it like black and white like all meat is the same all carbs are the same all of this and it's like not really no it's like what happens when you have a lot of carbs and fat at the same time does that at all affect anything in you so yeah i think i might have to bring you back I might have to bring you back on just to have a food specific uh, episode and go through the nuances of all these things, but uh, we'll keep that going. Anyway, I know um, we've been talking for quite a while. People hopefully are still tuned in uh, to this episode, but do you have any final thoughts for people as they try to make, especially, you know, we've just started 2022 and they're trying to make lifestyle changes. Do you have any advice for people going about any new fitness or health journeys? Um, I think big things, Google it. Like we live in an age of so much information. You can learn anything you want nowadays. So there's almost no excuse besides you didn't want to put the time in, which is fine if you don't want to put the time in, no judgment. But if you're genuinely curious about something, just Google it and see what you find. Um, For food, you make baby steps. Don't calorie count, that does not work. Just try to fill your plate with more of the better options, and you'll see that that causes you to eat less calories and eat less sugary foods. Better options like fibrous foods, like a lot of vegetables. Like you should be having like half of your plate just be like vegetables for almost every meal if you can. I know that's tough for some because most people just eat like a bacon, egg, and cheese for breakfast. But yeah. Drink water, sleep, Google stuff, eat more vegetables. Slowly, you'll cut out the sugar in the process, and then you'll start to feel the effects and should snowball from there. Boom. All right. And if anyone wanted to talk to you a little bit more about tricking or eating, where can they reach you? Um, yeah, my food page where I share recipes and I'm always talking to people is on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. It's about this much. Um, my personal Instagram is Shack Cam, S-H-A-C-K, Cam like camera. And that's normally where I'm posting like my tricking stuff. If you want to come train, hit me up and I'll let you know where we're training. I'm in New York City, if we didn't say that already. So it's a lot of options. Why don't you hit me up to train? I want to train. I do. You're always busy <laughs> doing these podcasts. I would be training right now, and you're uh, always doing podcasts, 8.30 a.m. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> anyway, that's all we have today, beautiful people. I again want to thank Shaq for his time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Yeah. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>